The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. So friends, listen to the word of the Lord as it comes to you from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 22. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every first male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was with them. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to paint the picture of the hectic life of Mary and Joseph at this time. Because it was around the time of the census, while Mary was pregnant, they traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem to Bethlehem, where she goes into labor and the child is born. On the eighth day, they name him and have him circumcised, as is their custom. And now it's the time for the purification according to the law of Moses. So again, to recap, Nazareth to Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They have a baby in Bethlehem. And now 33 days later, they go back to Jerusalem traveling with a newborn. Imagine that. 
Why did they go through all the trouble of doing this? They do it because they are obedient to God's call and obedient to the law of Moses. Luke portrays Joseph and Mary as righteous. They do everything that is required of them. And there is something else essential revealed in this passage. They offer a sacrifice of two turtle doves or two pigeons. And you might be wondering, why is that so important? It's important because it shows that Mary and Joseph are poor. We know this because in Leviticus 12, it shares the instructions for the time of purification when a firstborn male is born. There they are to sacrifice a sheep and a turtle dove or a pigeon. But if they can't afford a sheep, they may offer two turtle doves or two pigeons instead. Mary and Joseph, they could not afford a sheep. So two turtle doves would have to do. We often hear and read about how blessed Mary and Joseph are, and they're poor. Throughout Luke's gospel, Jesus cheers on and supports the poor. For Luke, it is clear that wealth does not mean blessed. In Luke chapter 6, Luke gives blessings to those who are poor, hungry, and weeping, and then offers woes to the rich, the fed, and those who mock. So this low-income family arrives at the temple for the time of purification, and this old prophet Simeon is there. Simeon is old, righteous, and devout. Again, picture somebody like my grandma, someone with high regard, the older adult in your congregation that gives life. For us at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, I'd like to think that Simeon looks a little bit like our good friend Otan. The Holy Spirit told Simeon that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. Now, it would be rare for a prophet to come to the temple for a ceremony like this. And yet we see in this passage that the Holy Spirit directs Simeon to the temple that day. Simeon takes the baby Jesus under his arms, carries him, and says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. New York novelist Oscar Ajuelos describes the baby Jesus as the most wanted child in history the most wanted child in history. Again, imagine someone like my grandma or Otan, someone revered, some older person you know, holding the hope of ages, the yearning of entire life in your arms. Dr. Howell says that this infant holds the kind of power that calloused hands become like soft pillows when handed a baby. Gruff voices adopt a falsetto as they coo a baby. And as the old man holds this little one, he declares that he has seen salvation for all people. It gives a glimpse of Jesus' greater purpose for redemption. God came down not to thrash evildoers or crush the Romans, but as an infant to elicit love 
and nurture tenderness. Mary and Joseph are amazed, and amazed might also be code for confused. But Simeon blesses them and the child. Next in line to hear and see about Jesus is another elderly prophet, Anna. The widowed prophet spends her time night and day in the temple, praying and fasting. She's also revered. And she too sees that this child is the one to bring redemption. Both Simeon and Anna waited at a lifetime to meet Jesus. And I echo Kate's words on waiting from last week's sermon. Waiting can be painful. But what if waiting, the type of waiting that Simeon and Anna did, can also bring hope? You might be wondering, why am I still talking about waiting after Christmas? Advent is complete. The season of waiting is over. We now have the baby Jesus. Yes, we celebrated the Christ being born this past week. But doesn't it feel like we are still in a season of waiting? Author and theologian Jeff Chu writes this about this year in waiting. He says, this has been a season of waiting and waiting and waiting that has been more than just liturgical, more than just symbolic. It's waiting for an end to the pandemic, waiting for resolution to this fractious election season, waiting to be with loved ones again, waiting to travel and explore the world again, waiting to sing together in church again waiting to linger over a long meal in a restaurant again, waiting for joy, waiting for salvation. To wait can be tiring, yet hopeful, frustrating, yet inspiring. Even as we sit in the tension between what has been and what might be, we try to hold on to our sense of possibility. Sometimes we have to battle apathy Remembering that waiting well requires discipline and purpose. We wait because we hope for healing. We wait because we are convinced that justice will come. We wait because we have known the deep satisfaction of togetherness. We wait because we have experienced the exhilaration of adventure of before. We wait because we can still hear the gorgeous echoes of the songs we have sung. We wait because we can recall the deliciousness of feast past and anticipate the flavors of feast to come. We wait because even amidst sorrow, we know that there's more. We wait because we acknowledge that some things are beyond us and that we need help that we can't get through this alone. The kind of waiting that Jeff Chu describes is the kind of waiting that Simeon and Anna did, and their eyes were able to see salvation, even if it was just for a glimpse. So let's acknowledge that a lot of the waiting we have done can be challenging. Yet what if in our waiting, like Anna and Simeon, we can see glimpses of salvation and perhaps even participate in those glimpses. What if our waiting while frustrating can also be inspiring? 
This past summer, we began an anti-racism response team with a small group of members of the church to help navigate the conversations and plans of action for our church around systemic racism. Our group decided to provide a curriculum for community groups here at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. These conversations in our curriculum have taken on a variety of different shapes and forms. We kept on reforming and reforming our curriculum. We believe that for our congregation, the best way to begin is by allowing our experiences and stories to be shared in hopes of cultivating empathy. With that, we have produced three videos with one more on the way that provides some of the storytelling. And we have created a curriculum to launch the week of January 17th that offers a guide to have similar conversations. I share this because for those of us on this team and many people around the country, we are waiting and waiting for justice around systemic racism and many other injustices. And we know that after this curriculum, we still will be waiting for justice. With our anti-racism response team and its curriculum, we are not going to solve racism. Yet what we do hope for is to see a glimpse of change. Like Simeon and Anna got to catch a glimpse of salvation, our waiting will be mixed right in there with the soil of hope to see if something will grow. Two Sundays ago, we shared our curriculum with some of the community group leaders and modeled one of the questions with them that will be in the curriculum. That conversation was one of the highlights of the year for me to see empathy on the face of those Zoom screens, to see people being listened to, and to see and hear people's experience being validated was nothing short of holy. In that meeting, I saw a glimpse of salvation. Friends, we continue in a season of waiting, but that Christ child has been born and we see glimpses of salvation. We see glimpses of hope. May our waiting, as frustrating as it may be, may it be met with the power of the holy infant that comes not to torment, but to cultivate love and redemption. Siblings, may you finish the year and enter the new year with glimpses of salvation. May your hearts be ready to feel it, ears ready to hear it, and eyes be ready to see it. Go with the blessing of the child that will pierce your heart with the hope of redemption. Amen.